And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I've based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church. And when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. If we could see the result of all that God does in every service where the Word of God is lifted and preached, we'd be dumbfounded and amazed at what God does. It's just not about uh, an attendance number on a board. How many people can you get coming faithfully to your church? The purpose of church is not for attendance. The purpose of church is for growth. But if we look in the mirror, we're not perfect either. And the truth is, again, you can't change the other person. You can't get them saved. You can't change their faults. But God can. But you can change your own faults through God's help. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, come to the end of what's best for you, Start doing what's best for the sake of the Savior. Welcome back. I am your host, Joshua Jimenez, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Sandy Creek Stirrings, a podcast where our goal is to stir you up for the cause of Christ. We want every single episode to be something that you can take home and use today. We want it to be practical. We want it to be applicable. And I'm praying that today's episode, in fact, I know today's episode will be something that will be a blessing to you today, simply because I'm not the one who produced it. And we'll talk here about that here uh, more in just a second. But we've kind of been on a little bit of a mini-series over the past few episodes. Um, Really, it started episode number 258. Uh, We played a message, an old, old message by Dr. Jack Hiles on serving your people. Now, I want you to go back and listen to that episode because I truly believe it will change your ministry life. Uh, There are so many things in there on serving your people that I believe will be a great blessing to you. Now, with serving people as your life calling, as the Lord calls you, there will be times that you'll begin to be a little bit weary, a little bit tired. Look, you deal with people 24-7, no matter what type of business you're in, but in ministry especially, you might face at times a little bit of burnout. Uh, We talked in episode number 259, how to avoid burnout in ministry, some very practical things on how to avoid burnout in ministry. Now, we also talked about with burnout, 
that one of the things that causes some ministry folks to get a little weary, a little hurt, a little discouraged, um, is hurt in ministry. People will sometimes bite you. Not literally. <laughs> I haven't had that happen yet. I've had my child bite me before. Um, it, it really hurts, too. And uh, But no, people will bite you metaphorically, and uh, so they'll come along, and sometimes you'll have a backstabbing. Sometimes somebody will do something to you that you've invested time into, and it hurts. And we talked about in episode number 260, Healing After Hurt. Well, I was here, we at Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church, my home church, where I'm on staff, our church has been having our Tuesday nights of powerful preaching. We have that every single year. We've kind of been on this little series per se, uh, not really a series, but all the things seem to tie together over the past few episodes. But we've been talking about this here, and a message was preached by Pastor Terry Sellers at our church. He's been the pastor in Ludowisi, Georgia for 30, over, I think, 38 years now. And what a blessing he is, such a genuine man of God, just a, just a man who you can talk to. He's always a blessing to me, and I so appreciate him. He preached a message this year entitled Let It Go. Not, no, not the Frozen song. We've preached against that. And, um, but Let It Go, talking about forgiveness and forgiving people. And wow, what a message it was. I know that some of my listeners are members of Victory Springs, and so for you, oh well, I'm sorry, but this message deserves to be on the podcast. It is one that was a blessing to me, and I felt like was a great follow-up to some of the topics that we've been discussing here at Sandy Creek Stirrings. It's all about forgiveness, and I find it very interesting, very helpful, very practical, a good reminder on some things that you need to know, and the message is just good. Brother Terry Sellers always does a wonderful job at presenting the uh, the truth of God's Word in a fashion that is easy to take in and really practical to apply. And so I'm looking forward to listening to this message again. I'm going to listen to it right now with you, and so hopefully you'll take time to listen to it and apply some of these things to your life. If you have any questions, you can always email me. Joshua at Sandy Creek Stirrings is my email address. Again, that's Joshua at Sandy Creek Stirrings. Until next time. Keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ. Take your Bibles tonight. Matthew chapter number 6 has my attention. And I hope it will have yours tonight. Matthew chapter number 6. It's a familiar passage of Scripture in that many of you would recognize it and probably would think of it as the Lord's Prayer. Is where I'm going to read. It is the Lord's Prayer in the sense that He gave it. But it is not his prayer in the sense that he could have prayed it. Jesus could not have prayed this prayer because it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And certainly he had no debts, no sins, no trespasses that he'd ever committed. But this is a, the disciples' prayer in the sense that it was the Lord's. It was his. He gave it to the disciples. So it's from him to them. I begin reading in verse number 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We usually stop the reading there. I think there's a little uh, addendum, an appendix, a couple of other verses that are attached to it that we forget because that word amen is there. 
And those are the next two verses. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm interested in forgiveness tonight. I want to preach on that tonight. I would point out to you just by way of introduction, this is not instruction on how to get saved. You don't get saved by how much you forgive and then God turns around and forgives you. This is not a message tonight that is directed at lost people that if you could just forgive other people, then God could find it in His heart to forgive you. And maybe if there's enough of that took place, maybe He'd let you into heaven one day. That's not what this is about. The, in verse number 9, the words say this, Our Father. This is a prayer that saved people pray. Okay, so we're talking to Christians tonight. And I'm going to talk to you about the subject of forgiveness. And I'm going to preach to you on this title, Let It Go. No, this is not a Disney-themed message for those of you that are familiar with Frozen. I want to make that clear. I'm not about to sing, let it go, let it go, let it go. I don't think we're going to ask the Stanleys to do so either. But I borrowed that title because I think it's important that we think about forgiveness and what we need to let it go. About Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the time together in your Word and the moments that I have helped me to be emptied of sin and self and pride and ego and vanity, the things so often in a preacher's way. Fill me with your Spirit. Pour me out to be a blessing. And as I speak to the ear of these people, may your Holy Spirit speak to their heart and their mind. And may we leave here better than we came in. May we leave here closer to you. And Lord, if there's something in our hearts and minds that we need to let go, that we might go forward for you, help us. Point it out to us. Bring conviction by the Holy Spirit and we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. A Sunday school teacher just concluded her lesson and wanted to make sure that she had made her point. And so she said this, she said, Can anyone in the class please tell me what you got to do in order to obtain the forgiveness of sin? Little boy in the back raised his hand up real quick. You got to sin! And it is true, you do have to sin in order to get the forgiveness of sin, but that's not a problem for us. Everyone in this room has sinned. I talked to a guy the other day, he got his kid in our Christian school, he stopped me in the hallway, he said, I wonder if you could take care of something for me, I'd like to get baptized. I said, really? I said, well man, that's great, when did you get saved? Oh, well, I've always been saved. I said, well, maybe you misunderstood me, when were you born again? I've always been born again. I said, well... When did, there's been a time in your life when you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sin. Oh, I've always done that. Now let me just point out to you, ain't nobody always done that. There was a time in your life when you were lost and you were in your sin. Before you were forgiven, you were in your sin and in your sins and without the blood of Jesus Christ to bring forgiveness to you, you would have no hope of heaven. I'm interested in forgiveness and I'm glad that there was a day when God came and forgave me and I hope you're glad there was a day. For every child of God, there's a time when the Lord forgave you of your sin. Now remember, that may have been the day when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, but God paid the penalty for your sins on Calvary over 2,000 years ago. He didn't pay that the day you walked the aisle. He didn't make the arrangement or a broker, some kind of a deal at that time. This was all done at Calvary's cross. And if you study the Bible enough, you'll find this out, that even before the foundation of the world, you were on His mind even then, so that the Lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world. Aren't you glad there's a God that cared about us before we ever cared about Him? 
I'm interested in forgiveness of sins, and I think it's important. Three simple points I'd give you tonight. The first one is this, the meaning of forgiveness. Now, a lot of people, I think, misunderstand what forgiveness is. Maybe we don't even think about it very much. We just accept it which is a wonderful thing to do. If God's offered you forgiveness, you should accept it and receive it as yours as a child of God. And even after you get saved, now I've met some people that they say this, I got saved and I hadn't sinned a day since. Let me talk to your wife. Can I talk to your husband? How about your children? Maybe I could talk to your neighbor. Maybe somebody that's a co-worker, and I guarantee, I worked with this Church of God deacon for many, many years, and he told me that after he got saved, he never sinned one more time afterward. And I said, well, I've been working with you for a few years and I, I've heard a few words out of your mouth that wasn't praise the Lord. And I've seen you do a few things that I thought was a little bit shady. He said, oh, those were mistakes. Wow. It, it's interesting, just because you changed the name. Abraham Lincoln was asked one time, said, if a dog with his tail has got it wagging, if you call the dog's tail a leg, how many legs does he have? And Lincoln said, he's got four legs. The fellow said, well, why wouldn't he have five? He said, calling a tail a leg don't make it one. And just because you call a sin a mistake, don't make it one. In the Bible, there are three major words that are used for our wrongdoing. Sin, which is coming short, or like the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse, excuse me, 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't measure up. Another way of saying it is, if you were to have a large target out there and you were shooting a bow and arrow at it, no matter how close you get, you're never going to hit the target dead center. And you might get closer than my arrow would, but we all are still coming short. We're all missing the mark. That's a way to describe sin. Furthermore, let's make sure we understand this now, that doesn't just happen in a lost person's life. We still come short after we are saved. Don't get so full of yourself that you think you've arrived because nobody has. If Paul had not arrived and admitted that he still had battles to fight in his flesh, I got them too and I bet you have too. There's another word that's used in the Bible and that is the word trespass. This is used in Luke chapter 11 when Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer there. And that trespass is the idea of going beyond the mark or a line. Some of you rednecks in here probably remember what it is to go somewhere where it said no hunting. No fishing. As a young man in our church, I guess he's probably about 38, 39 years old. He does, we have a fish fry, and he brings all the fish. I said, well, where'd you catch these fish? He named the lake Morgan Lake, which is near us. I said, really? I said, uh, did you, how much do you have to pay to get in there? He said, I didn't say I paid. I said, well, how'd you get in there? He said, I didn't say that either. I said, well, where's your favorite honey hole at? He said, I ain't about to say that. So you knew right away he was a good fisherman. He sneaks in where he does not belong and he won't tell you where he fished at. But listen to me carefully. Trespass is to break the law, to go beyond. The limit is here. You're not supposed to do that. The Bible says thou shalt not steal and you steal. Thou shalt not kill and you kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness and you do that. You have broken the law of God. You've gone beyond the line that God drew in the sand, if you would. And you have trespassed and we are guilty of sin. Amen. You say, amen, I will get through early, not as early as Brian wanted me to. But then again, he's not very spiritual. But nevertheless, <laughs> his wife is all the spirituality in that family. I don't know if you know that or not, but I used to, we used to play ball against them. And man, the ref threw him out more than once for cussing. But anyway, <laughs> but he got forgiveness. Anyway, we'll move on. All right, sin is one word. Say it with me. Sin. sin. Okay, what does your wife do? Sin. sin. There you go. You're not married. 
you're hoping to be. All right, the second word is the word trespass. But there's another word in there, and that's the word iniquity. Iniquity, Warren Wiersbe described it this way, that's the crookedness of all of us. If I were to hold a stick behind my back and tell everybody here, I got a straight stick behind my back, everybody's got a picture of what straight is. But if I said I got a crooked stick behind my back, everybody would have a different idea which way that thing's crooked. And that's just like every one of us. I'm crooked in certain places and you're crooked in certain places. And we're all just a little bit different, but we're all crooked. I'm just telling you tonight, don't be so self-righteous as to think just because you're saved you never sin or trespass or commit iniquity. The Old Testament speaks of, Spurgeon preached on it, the iniquity, you should look this up if you're doing some Bible study, the iniquity of the holy things. That's an interesting phrase. Spurgeon preached on it. You can look that up. You can Google everything nowadays anywhere. But there's another word that's used in this passage. It's the word debt. The debt, that's something owed. In other words, we have violated God's holy law and God's holiness so much so that we owe Him a debt. The old songwriter said, we owe a debt we cannot pay, and he, owed a, 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 he paid a debt he did not owe. And because of what Jesus did in paying my sin debt, I can go free so that my sin is forgiven, my trespass is forgiven, my iniquity is forgiven, and my debts are erased and forgiven. That's the meaning of forgiveness. Let's go a little bit further. Silas, could you help me just a minute? Grab you a five or six hymn books right there and just stand down front here where people see how ugly you are. Right there in the front. I mean, how good looking you are. Oh, see, that, see the lady's like, oh, he hurt his feelings. Listen, he just studied the Old New Testament. The Bible. The whole Bible. Well, you ought to know not to get your feelings hurt. All right, anyway. All right, give me these right here. Now, I'm just going to guess for a bit. How old are you? 14 years of age. And smart enough to have studied the whole Bible. But I bet you he's committed some sins. Say amen. You're supposed to say amen. You've got to participate here. I bet you there's been a few times he has trespassed. You ever gone where it said no hunting? Oh, yeah, he's lying. Now, see, see, that's a sin. That's a sin. Lying is a sin, Silas. Okay, so he's lied. You ever, uh, you ever thought something you didn't, shouldn't, wasn't supposed to think? Don't tell me what it is. Okay, yeah, I'm sure you have. Uh, have you ever disobeyed your mom and dad? How many times? You done lost count. So there, he done something else wrong. Now, now I, I don't, we don't have enough hymn books is what we don't have. Now, he's committed sin. He's committed trespass. He's committed iniquity. And furthermore, there is debt that he owes to God. And the truth is, he's not the only one. Any of you or me could be standing up here and holding these books. Now, obviously, there's not enough books for him and not enough books for me. If we stacked them all up, they'd be so heavy and such a burden that we could not carry them. But when God offers us forgiveness, He offers us something that the devil can't give, the world can't give, and the flesh cannot produce, and that is this. He takes our sin and He separates it from us. And so that now when God looks down from heaven through the blood of Jesus, He sees Silas with no sin because He's been forgiven. This is the meaning of forgiveness. God separates it. This is planned out in the Bible if you think about it. He put our, sea, our sins in the sea of His forgetfulness. He even says this, He's cast our sins far from Him as far as the east is from the west. One old preacher said when the devil came to him and said, I want to bring up your sin. He said, well, if you'll head east, you'll find them. And when you run into west, that's where they'll be. And he went east, the devil did, and went east, and went east, and went east, and he never found west. 
And so he came back and said, I thought you told me to go east. He said, I did. Now go west and when you run into east, you'll find my sins. So he went west and went west and went west and never ran into east. Because you see, if he'd have said north and south, you'd have run into the North Pole and you'd have run into the South Pole and you might have found it. But when Jesus said, I've cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and put them as far as the east is from the west, they can never be found again. So you have had them all removed and separated from you. And God looks at you as His child and He's your Father. You can be seated. Thank you for your help. Now furthermore, let me say this in regard to the meaning of forgiveness and what we're talking about. Just as surely as God has done that and cast those things away, it's important to understand everybody needs forgiveness. I got saved in 1973, November of 1973, in a revival meeting in, right in, near Valdosta, Georgia, just up the road from here. And I got saved, and listen to me carefully, when I got saved, God forgave all my sin. He forgave my past, my present, and my future sin. Well, I don't know about them future sins. When Jesus died on the cross, all your sins were in the future. Now, I became His child. He became my Father. I don't have to worry about ever going to hell because my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and my sins have all been forgiven. But listen to me. He's my Father. And there's sometimes that after I got saved, I got away from the Lord and sin and trespass, iniquity and debt came into my life after I got saved. And though He was still my Father and where our relationship was the same, our fellowship was hurt and ruined it's illustrated pretty good in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The father and a son. And when the son comes back, the father runs to meet him to reestablish the fellowship. The relationship was still there. Still a father, still a son. No matter how far you backslide, if you're saved, you're one of God's youngins. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you're one that needs forgiveness. And some of the problem with us is we know we need it, but we won't let go of our pride that keeps us from walking an aisle and kneeling at an altar or bowing our heart and our head before God and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I've got away from you. I'm here to tell you tonight, you need to let it go. And you need to let go of the stubbornness and let go of the rebellion and let go of the bitterness and let go of the things that's hindering you from getting back close to the Lord like you need to be. And by the way, you can be in church. Every time the doors are open, put a smile on your face, go through all the motions, and yet not experience and enjoy the forgiveness of sins even after you're saved. When John wrote 1 John, he said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. I'm here to tell you tonight, it's important to get this gist of what it is to let things go. Furthermore, I'll give you a second point tonight, and that is the motive of forgiveness or for forgiveness. What do I mean by this? There's a reason that we have been forgiven, but there's also a reason that we should be forgiving. Notice those words again I read after the Lord's Prayer. He says in verse number 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I submit to you tonight without any fear or contradiction that this is a command from God that we are to forgive. Furthermore, I would say not only is this a command from God, but this is a directive that pleases God. When husbands and wives are not willing to forgive one another, that doesn't honor God. When parents and children can't get along because they can't find it in their heart to forgive, that does not please God. 
when young'uns get an attitude of their parents and they're mad and they're hurt and they're wounded or maybe they're just frustrated because they don't get their way. God's not honored and pleased when we can't find it in our heart to forgive. And there are times when it may be hard to forgive. I'm not saying it's easy. There may be things that have been done to you in your life. And it may be this. This is hard. You don't understand. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've faced. You don't know how bad they hurt me, Brother Sellers. I, you're absolutely right. But I didn't write the Bible. God wrote the Bible. And God said that you and me have to learn how to forgive. And sometimes it is a learning process. Yes. It doesn't happen overnight. It may take you months and years in order to fully forgive somebody. But you've got to have a starting point. And if you don't learn to let it go, it's going to harbor and build up bitterness inside of you. And before you know it, you'll be not just estranged from the people you need to forgive. You'll be distant from the Lord. Because He is your Father and He wants you and I to know what it is to forgive when other people have wronged us or done something in our lives. It's important that we let it go. There's a motive for this. It is from God. It pleases God. Furthermore, I think you've got to consider this. There just has to be in all of us that desire put there by the Holy Spirit. You'll never convince me that the Holy Spirit whispers to anybody and says, hate them. Be mad at them. Hold that bitterness. Don't you let that go. You know if you let it go, you ain't never going to be able to hold it against them anymore. That's not the Holy Spirit. That may be the world, the devil, but most of the time I think the devil gets blamed for it and it's the flesh. It's that part of us that's not yet saved, if you would. Soul and spirit, we die going to meet the Lord in the air. But that body's going to go to the grave. There's a part of us, an old nature within us that still likes to think about things before we got saved and act like we did before we got saved. That part of us that we can't stand that Paul spoke about in Romans chapter number 7. The good that I would, I do not, and etc. So what I'm saying is this. There has to be within us the desire and the motivation that is internal. Now some of y'all will think this. Alright, Brother Sellers is trying to motivate us to forgive. I would go one better than that. I'm here to tell you what you need to do. But the motivation is internal. Are you with me tonight? Nod your head if you're with me. And what I mean by that is, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you that should be the motivation. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live inside your body. And your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot tell me that there's not people across this land in our churches that are filled with bitterness and unforgiveness and malice in their heart toward other Christians. There are some churches, there's folks sit on one side of the church, won't walk across, shake somebody else's hand because they got an attitude. Is there any teenage girls here? Is your middle name drama? But anyway, we'll move on. Where does that drama come from? We got a Christian school. I know what it is to have teenage girls in there. And I'm telling you what, two boys are getting a fight. I'm talking about it first thing in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, getting a fight when school starts. And by break time at 10, they over it. Two girls getting a fight, and five years later, they're still mad at each other. You know what I found out? The reason they act that way? I followed them home. I met their mama. I met their daddy. And I found out there were some problems in that home with lack of forgiveness, and they passed it down. Come on, that's, you know, you know what I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to help you tonight. I really believe God put this message on my heart for you tonight. And I, I hope it will be a help and a blessing to you. But we got, we got a problem. D.L. Moody said it this way, the great evangelist. He said this, 
He said there's one sin, one failure that's doing more to hold back the power of God and revival in the lives and hearts of Christians more than any other sin. And it is the sin of an unforgiving spirit. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, everybody thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have somebody to forgive. One Christian psychologist said this, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Now you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you a question tonight. How many of you have ever been hurt? I bet you if I ask you to raise your hand, every hand in here would go up. How many have ever been hurt in church? That would probably be just about everybody's hand. How many of you have ever been hurt in a relationship? Been hurt by a spouse? Been hurt by a preacher? Been hurt by a guest preacher? I mean, we could go down the list and everyone in here knows what it is to be hurt. And I'm not minimizing the hurt. But here's what I've learned, okay? And that is this. If I harbor the hurt, if I nurse the hurt, if I toy with the hurt, if I keep bringing the hurt up in my mind, then that's all I ever attach to that person that hurt me. And I'm not forgiving them when I'm not willing to not hold it against them anymore. Before I got saved and since I got saved, God knows every sin I've ever committed. And I know the Bible says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That doesn't mean that God doesn't know what I did 25 years ago. But it does, know, it does mean this. He don't hold it against me anymore. And He don't bring it up anymore. I heard about this husband and wife got in an argument. Oh my goodness, a terrible argument. He went to work the next day, was complaining to his friend at work about it. He said, we got in an awful argument last night and my wife got historical. He said, did you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She kept bringing up things in the past I'd done 10 years ago and she wouldn't shut up about it. Every husband here, listen, just lean away from her. She's going to throw an elbow. Just lean away from her. The motive for forgiveness is you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. He should be motivating you. I believe, I'm just fool enough to believe, if I preach on forgiveness and you need to do it, the Holy Spirit inside will say, He's talking to you. I preached this message to our people a month or so ago. And several of them came to me and said, Did you read our mail? Have you got our phones tapped? And I said, no. I said, honestly, it's one of those messages you kind of wrestle with whether or not to preach it. And then you preach it and you have 15 or 20 people come up to you and say, boy, I needed that. I needed that. Or a husband say, my wife needed that. You know, those kind of things. You always appreciate that. There's a motive. And let me tell you something else. Here's another motive. If you don't let it go, it's going to hinder you and ain't going to hurt them. Unforgiveness, like bitterness, is you taking the poison and drinking it and thinking it's killing them and it's killing you. It robs you of your joy. It limits your service for God. It hinders your growth and it makes you unbearable to be around. And you, honestly, if you don't let... Some of you here tonight, I don't know who you are. Again, I only know a few of you. But... Maybe there's somebody here tonight that you've hold, held on to something and you're holding on to it now. And if you don't let it go, it's going to ruin you. It's going to cripple you. It's going to rob you of your joy and limit you in your service for the Lord Jesus Christ. How God could use you. The, first, the second church I was at, I went through a tough time there. I was there for eight and a half years and went through a really tough time. And uh, 
I remember sharing it with an old preacher. He said this thing that I've repeated for years. This is 45 years ago probably. He said, you know, God allows things to happen to you so you can get better, not bitter. And at that time, I was bitter. And he could tell because all I was doing was talking about the people that hurt me. Who do you talk about? People that hurt you? What stories do you tell? Is anything positive? Or is it always something negative? Always. Let me tell you what they've done to me. Or you hear somebody else, we, we love to commiserate. You know, you tell me you're as, at, I'm 67. Now, I know I look 35, but nevertheless, <laughs> that was not a joke. Thank you for laughing anyway. But at my age now, I, you know, I look back and I realize that there's a lot of water, water that's going under the bridge. And things now don't bother me like they did when I was 30 or 35. But here's what I've learned is that as you get older, you don't get to go back. And if you don't forgive, now let's say you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. All those are young ages to me. If you hold on to that thing, you get my age, you're going to wish you had. And the amount of time that you live and work and serve and do and raise your families and work your jobs and everything that you do to make a living, there's going to be times you're going to get hurt. And maybe you came tonight and you've got a burden. A burden on your back to be let go is a lot different than a chip on your shoulder daring somebody to knock it off. And if you're not careful, you'll keep bringing up the same old things from the past. The motive is the Holy Spirit inside of you. The motive is it pleases God. The motive is it's from God that He commands us. The motive is, is that I'm not going anywhere until I let it go. I don't know what it is tonight. Maybe you need to let it go. Finally, I'll close with this. The measure of forgiveness. The measure of forgiveness to me is in this regard. I would speak of it first from, from the Lord to me. When Jesus looked down, He didn't look down and say, well, let me see, I'm going to pick some things I'll forgive and some other things I'm not going to forgive. It's unlimited forgiveness. Does that make, does that make sense to you? So then when He tells us that we're supposed to forgive like He forgave us, then I don't get to pick and choose. I'm going to forgive one thing you did, brother, but them other five things, I'm going to hold you. I'm going to put you on the hook for them. See how ridiculous that sounds when you say it? Now, I've done it, and I bet you have too. I forgive somebody enough to work with them. We have a Christian school. The vast majority of people that work with us are ladies. In all these years, 38 years, you reckon them ladies have got on my nerves? Yes. Say amen right there. Amen. Have they ever had any drama? Uh, let me hide behind the pulpit. Uh, I mean, yes. And Well, I know some of y'all, I know what you ladies are thinking. Well, I bet you got on there. Now, don't get unforgiveness at me. Give me a chance. In all those years that have gone by, there's been times that I get aggravated. And here's what we do. Husbands and wives do it too. We put it off enough to get along. We put it off enough to survive. We get it all... We push it aside enough to fix supper. We push it aside enough to get through dinner. We do whatever we can because the kids got to go to school tomorrow. And so we push it aside and literally we're hiding it under the carpet, hoping by not talking about it, it will go away on its own. And it won't. God's people will be constantly bothered by the Holy Spirit until you let it go. 
But you don't know what they did. I've been pastor long enough that I got a, I could tell you some stories that curl your toenails tonight about what people have had happen and seen happen in their church. When I came to the church in 1985, the pastor of the church had been killed. I took over for him, and less than six weeks afterward, a lady in our church who was there for many, many years just passed away. And six weeks after I got there, her 11 year, 12-year-old boy had just got saved in the summer was over to the neighbor's house. Some boys, about the age of these boys right here, were in the back bedroom playing around. One of them grabbed a shotgun off of the gun rack and not thinking, like my daddy taught me, every gun in the world's loaded. That little boy, that 13-year-old boy that was friends with him, didn't think about it. He pulled the hammer back and said, the young man, boy, boy's name was Kevin. He said, hey, Kevin, look here. And he pulled the trigger and just blew his face off. I had to preach that funeral. Now listen to me. That husband and wife, the mom and dad of that boy that was killed, they stayed in the church, and that boy that pulled the trigger was in our church, and so were his parents. And for one year, until they moved away, for one year they had to sit across from one another in church. Do you reckon that was a pretty big thing to forgive? I bet you don't have anything that big. But you might. But I believe this, if God could help her and her husband forgive, God can help you forgive. Now, I, again, I'm not making light of any abuse or anything anybody might have gone through in life. And I'm saying this much. Listen to me carefully. You're not forgiving the person for them. You're forgiving the person for you. And you're forgiving the person for God. The Lord wants me to do this. I'm going to forgive them. But I'm not doing this to make them feel better. See, some people think forgiveness is letting somebody off the hook. They think it's nobody suffers consequences. It means that I have to go back and all of a sudden have supper with them. doesn't mean that at all. You don't ever have to have anything to do with that person again. It's just that you let go of the ill will. You let go of the desire that I hope something bad happens to them and I wish God would get them back for what they did to me. you got to let that go. It'll hinder you in your Christian life, rob you of your joy, and keep you from growing in the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I would like to illustrate something if I could. Stand up here and hold that for me, would you? Come here, just stand right here. It's about big as you are. Now don't put it in front of your face because they won't be able to see you. Hold that right there. When God saved me, he gave me, if you will, that much mercy and grace and forgave all my sin. What a stupid thing it would be is if I gave it back out about that much right there. But that's what we do. We expect other people to forgive us that much while we pass it back in a little cap like that. Shame on us. Well, my wife ought to forgive me because I deserve... First of all, none of us deserve anything but hell. But God shows us mercy. And we want other people to show us mercy. So I want my wife to forgive me that much. I want my children to forgive me that much. I want my church to forgive me that much. I want all of you, if I ever wrong you, to be willing to forgive me that much. A five-gallon bucket. But then I'm only going to pass it back out to you in something as small as a thimble? You see how unbalanced that would be? It makes absolutely no sense because I can't measure mercy for me unless I'm going to measure mercy from me. 
I'll say it again. I can't measure this much mercy for me if I'm only going to give out this much from me. To use the words of Jesus. Okay? If you forgive men their trespasses, through your heavenly Father will forgive you. Well, I want God to forgive me that much. But I ain't letting it go. Except that much right there. Because you see what I got? You can be seated. What I got against old John, he got a lot of things to get right with me, buddy. Now it's real quiet in here because you got to know this about preachers. We preach this stuff to ourselves before we ever preach it to you. And God often humbles our hearts about things. And sometimes the Holy Spirit brings things up that were never dealt with. And we pushed them aside and we hit them over here. But the Lord reminded me recently, this is the way I want to get it. This is the way I need to give it. Maybe tonight, somebody's in your five-gallon bucket that you need to forgive. And remember, that's how much mercy and more. I don't have a bucket big enough to show you the mercy of God. I think it's important that we go through the process of being willing to forgive. Because if we don't, if we mark it down and limit it and keep somebody in our little black book, we're not going to get to where we need to be for God. We need forgiveness. We need to give forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this evening.